Hello, my name is Tyler Chisholm and welcome to They Just Get It, a podcast about, well, people who just get it. I'm very excited to have my guest with me today, someone I'm proud to call a friend, Mr. Chad Hughes. Good morning, Chad. Morning. How are things going on this wonderful uh, midweek, little mid, midweek, early, early yeah. winter, early fall? Things are off to a flying start uh, today, so it's good. Excellent. Dude. 9.15 yeah. and the wheels are already spinning and the afterburners are they, kind of spooled up. Yeah, mm. the wheels were spinning at uh, 6.10 this morning on the, on the spin bike. Excellent. Not very you're, fast, you're, you're, but they were spinning. Because you're, you're an early morning workout guy, right, if I, I, if I know correctly? I am. I have to do it earlier. It won't get done. That's a smart strategy. I do it a little bit later in the day, but I have a workout partner, so she holds me highly. I think I've been working out with the same lady for about 18 years, so it's yeah. an appointment. So missing okay. it. Otherwise, yeah, the end of the day gets a little bit messy when yeah. you try to squeeze a workout in. Well, thank you for joining me today. I wanted to, part of They Just Get It is taking the time to dig a little bit deeper. It's so easy to look at people that are successful, that have reached a, you know in multiple facets of their life, which I think, you know, I think why I wanted to have you on, because... I've known you for probably about five years now. We were neighbors for a little bit, not anymore. Before you moved off the ridge, which you know we miss yeah. you on the street a little bit. Um, but from the outside and getting to know you a little bit, successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses, which we'll talk about a little bit. Um, happily married, successfully married. I'll say successfully because sometimes yeah. that's a rarity today to be successfully married. And most recently, I know your Instagram speaks loud and clear. A very loving father of two beautiful girls that I see on Instagram at least at least four to six times a day doing something incredib- incredibly cute. Um, I know an active member of your community and really looks like you've kind of got it figured out. So I want to kudos. But what we're going to do today is we're going to dive in a little bit deeper because I assume you didn't just weren't born this way, that things have happened to kind of get you here. Right. Would you, would you say that that was, uh, has it been a direct path or has it been a bit of a meandering path? Been a very meandering path. Uh, fair enough. I think it is so, so oftentimes, but it's, it, to take the time to dig in a little bit and understand, I think, and add a lot of value and kind of gets perspective and can be very inspiring, I, certainly for me, to understand and learn people's stories. So yeah. we'll go back to the beginning. We won't go too far back, but where'd you grow up? Let's, let's kind of dig into some of the basics. Yeah, I grew, grew up east of Pinoca. Um, so Pinoca, Alberta, 20 miles east of Pinoca on a feedlot. So in the sticks of Alberta. So farm boy. Uh, farm boy, feed feedlot. Yeah. Uh, so grew up on a feedlot operation. And uh, yeah, we... Fed about 2,000 head of cattle in the winter and then farmed about 2,000 acres of, of land. And, and so my, my summers were fun because I liked operating equipment. You got to drive a grain truck. Yeah. You got to, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know you and I have talked. We, we, have, we have a similar background. Oh, totally, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, uh, you know, you get to play with big toys at a very young age. Yes. And, Sometimes uh, a little younger than some might think in the, in the farming. Yeah. Yeah. If you can see over the steering wheel, you can drive the grain truck, if yeah. I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's questionable. I remember, remember my cousins would come out from, they lived in Calgary and they'd come out and, and at one time they, I drove by in the grain truck. I was, we were silaging and, yep. I, and I drove by in the grain truck and they could just see the top of my cap. And I remember they they were city kids and they they thought this was just ridiculous you know and I I could and how did you feel that would feel pretty cool at that moment like that's like <laughs> yeah I just yeah, yeah I'm pretty macho right absolutely yeah. I'm driving the truck my my friends are riding in the backseat of mom's yeah. car <laughs> you know in hindsight it's crazy I I I'm a lot more protective of my kids than my parents were. I don't, I wouldn't let them do that, but I think the joys of living on a farm, like you get, you get the warning, don't touch the auger, don't do this. Don't jump off the tractor without putting it like yeah. leave it in gear. And then you're kind of sent on your way. There's yeah. a little bit of a survival of the fittest when you grow up in a rural community. I, I would say so. Yeah. 
Yeah. I would have to tell my kids 20 times. Like I would, they'd be afraid to go outside probably. Like Where you were kind of sitting on your way and giving a lunch pail and maybe <laughs> throw us in your There you go. Yeah. I think something that I know, and I know for myself, that certainly, you know, the resourcefulness that comes from living in a rural environment on a farm, like figuring yeah. stuff out. Mm. Yeah. So uh, first job, like first, first paying job. Cause when you grow up in a farm, it's not really called a job. It's just called like yeah, price yeah. of entry. That's but right. What's I always love to talk like first paying job was something glamorous or uh, no. Um, I mean, I, I had little projects the neighbors would pay me to do, you know, like okay, nice. mow, mowed grass at the church and mowed grass for the neighbor. And I get paid a little money for that. Um, I had my own livestock, so I I did have that wasn't a real job, I guess. But you know, it was we we had oh, our it was own. Not, it was it was yeah, it was a business. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had pigs. I had I had a couple pigs, and so um, I'd have some revenue from that and 4-H uh, steer. Mind you, it wasn't Fel, fellow 4-H. I, I was only one year. I I had a hard time seeing my steer go down the road. I begged and pleaded with my parents to buy him back. Because I he became my pet, so I of course I swore off 4-H after that. I was such a softy. So, um, but anyway, anyway, when I was um, well, I worked. I, I worked for the neighbors too. Like as I got a little bit older, not like probably by twelve. Like I was farming for the neighbors and doing right stuff to get paid. But my real job outside of the that community was on the um, Wizard Lake campground. Okay, when, when I was fifteen, we've, we've you know part of this story, but when I was 15, we moved uh, right. from the farm east of Pinoka to Calmar, uh, Devon area. Mm-hmm. And so I, the the summer in between grade 9 and grade 10 was when we moved, and I got a job at the Wizard Lake Campground, which is just south of Calmar. Okay. And uh, we're still in, just for everybody listening, we're in rural, we're in rural Alberta. Rural Alberta, yeah. Absolutely. This is yeah. A, not just the sticks in a different part of different yeah, part of yeah. Alberta. <laughs> we changed one for the other. Yeah. More Ukrainians than cowboys. I'd okay. Say there. Okay. So, so a bit of a different culture. Uh, yeah, different, yeah, like so. my dad used to bitch and complain about how everyone wore rubber boots instead of cowboy boots. And that, and, that seems like and, a dad and, thing. Yeah, and ha- hats with flaps on the, you know, anyway, so he, he was so a little bit, a different culture, uh, yeah, cultural experience. Yeah. So we it's still uh, in the sticks, as you said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was my, my, my first job outside of anything farming related. And I actually got fired on my last day. Okay. And yeah. fired from what, what were you doing exactly? You're just like maintenance and kind of like well, I, taking care of I, stuff? I told the girl I was working with. So one of the things we had to do was empty the fish barrel. Okay. So people would describe the fish barrel to us. Well, so. <laughs> it was like a big drum, you know, like a oil drum. Yep. With the top cut off of it. Yeah, your standard and, like industrial yeah, garbage can, right. basically. Yeah. yeah. And they would people would throw their fish guts when they were skinning their fish. The all the guts and stuff would go in the barrel. Okay. And so we had to empty the barrel. I don't remember how often, but. We you, had, want it, you want to enter it pretty quick because if it gets full, yeah, you got a problem on your hands. Well, it's disgusting, <laughs> and so it also weighs about two hundred fifty yeah. pounds. So we got into a disagreement about the fish barrel. Now she was technically my supervisor, but I felt that she was being lazy, and I and I think I told her that she was pulling I, her weight. I told her to f off. Okay, and then I, you know, I, 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 I did it. You know, did did the job, but then the boss boss found out, and I think he had a. He had a thing for her, so 
It was two in the afternoon. My last uh, day. So there's politics, right? Oh, it's, it's not. It's not a okay. <laughs> so he, this guy comes storming across the yard at me. I mean, I think back and I think, well, no wonder he was grumpy. The guy was the, like he, the, he was a, he was an old fellow, and this was his job, you know. So you you know he he didn't maybe his choices got him to somewhere he wasn't happy with. Yeah. <laughs> so he came tranching across the yard and he said, "Did you tell Cheryl to?" to F you or something. And I said, yep, I did. <laughs> See, said, oh, you owned it at least. Yeah. That's good. He said, well, you're fired. And I I was like, okay. So I, I got two hours left. So I went and sat and waited <laughs> for my dad to pick me up because I, I didn't have a license yet. So, And at yeah. that point you didn't bring the grain truck to work. So you, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, were, you were kind of on your own. Yeah. So I know, I know we've touched on this a little bit. So the, that move or that change of like from the feedlot and kind of running that, that side of things, that was a bit of a moment too in your life, from understanding, a bit of a change because things. Yeah, you guys didn't maybe that didn't that was kind of thrust upon you, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah, no, it was. You know, if you look back on, you know, you what I'd call life defining moments, I'd mm-hmm. say that was definitely definitely one of them. Right. Um, not a great, you know, not a great experience, but turned out to be a a good thing. You know, like sometimes you got to go through a little pain to... Uh, I find to, it often. Uh, yeah. On the show, we've talked to, you know, a bunch of different people. And usually it's not a like, it was one joyous experience to the next. It's not normally as it goes. Yeah. So there's some trauma in there. And I think yeah. as humans, we get defined oftentimes much more by the hardship. When it, when it's easy, it's you can also take it for granted. But when it's hard, uh, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it... it um, I, I remember as a kid and, you know, there was... Um, there was a guy I went to school with, and I went to a really small school, like kindergarten to grade nine was a hundred people or hundred yep. kids. Small town. Mm-hmm. So my class probably was eight, probably roughly eight people. And um, I remember one of the kids, they moved. And I remember thinking, gosh, that that's awful. Like, I can't imagine having to move. Because at that point in your life, that's your world. It's everything. Yeah. yeah. And, and it kind of became like a, a big fear you know, a big fear. Um, and so when, when I, when, when I realized that we were moving, that this was now your reality. Yeah. And the reasons, you know, like, and I also grew up, I, I didn't like, I had an appreciation for hard work, but I didn't realize, like, I actually, I just thought we were, I thought we were rich. Okay. All right. Yeah, I just, I just, good. like, like we're, we're I just, well. yeah, like we were, we were a big operator. My dad, my dad well, wasn't head. Two thousand head is a real number. Like that's a lot of mouths to feed. Literally. Yeah. Back then, I mean, now it's of course not. But back farming then, is very different than you know now than it was 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Not dating. Not dating us here. But no, but it's it was thirty years ago. Yeah, it was, it was thirty-five a, years ago. It was a big deal. Yeah. And my my dad was a very passionate, still is, but passionate entrepreneurial guy, mm-hmm. and you know probably the most aggressive person in the community. You know, for so in terms of pushing done. ahead and getting things done. So, so I you grew up with a pretty strong role model, kind of from that perspective. Yeah, at a very yeah. early age. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so I just kind of, you know, I mean, I just assumed that. I just assumed we had lots of money. I was, I maybe didn't, you know, too young to really understand what the difference between black and red was. But, but I remember one day, <laughs> I I remember one day overhearing my mom talking to my dad the office was in in the house and it was open like to the kitchen i remember overhearing them talk about something about being in the red and i and i 
it's vague the conversation they were having. Yeah, yeah, but when I, look, yeah, when you look back on it. But whatever it was, it dawned on me at that point. I'm like, huh, like, what do you mean? And so it was that combined with then eventually moving. Now, we didn't go broke. Um, my parents made a decision to sell off right. they, they looked and move down the road on. far enough and saw what was coming. But, you know, by the time everything was sold, they're, you know, they didn't, they didn't walk away with a nest egg. It was walked away and started over again. Right. So that they got themselves out of, out of, out of a bad spot, but not necessarily set up. Yeah. And the choice for them now, what I learned later, it's interesting talking about that event later is I learned that I learned that, um, they probably could have kept going and, and worked their way out of it. Mm-hmm. But, um, there were reasons, some of it was based on principle that they decided not to. And one of the things was, I mean, the more you, the more you throw your chips in when you're talking about debt and dealing mm-hmm. with banks, the less control you have over your destiny. And there was a concern that if they, if they gave up more control and things didn't turn around, then they wouldn't have a choice as to who got paid. Right. So that, so a lot they of that, lose control you know, of the situation. And being in a smaller community, all those people they probably owed money to were people they knew personally. Yeah. That was very, yeah. In a small yeah. town, it's not, it's not a nameless, faceless corporation. It's your buddy down the road. Well, exactly. So, but anyway, like to your, your point about that time, it was a combination of, you know, moving, which was a fear of mine, but then that like wrapping my head around why, you know, the yeah, fact the that. Why behind. And, it, and it, you were yeah. 14, 15 at the time? Yeah, I was four. I was fourteen um, when it, probably thirteen or fourteen when it started happening, and then it was fifteen when, when when the move happened, mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, it 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 definitely had an impact on me, not in a good way, but <laughs> it really is true. It didn't have a good impact on me. I I I became well a bit of a coaster and. Okay. Just, you know, I, I, when I look back on that period now, I'd say from about 15 to 30 was kind of a, a little bit of a lost period. Now that's a good chunk of loss. Like, you yeah, know, it's, yeah, it's 15 years. It's at that point, it's 50% of your, of your, right. of your run. Mm-hmm. Now I got a lot done in that <laughs> eventually I got, but I didn't know, I didn't understand why I didn't understand what was driving me to do what I was mm-hmm. doing. Um, definitely didn't have clarity about where I wanted to be. Um, and yeah, and I had some, you know, I had some issues I had to deal with. Like I was, you know, I, I dealt with things by being a bit of a womanizer and partying, oh, okay. partying a lot and, and, uh, and which cost, cost me in the end, but as unfortunately, I've had a few things I've had to learn, learn the hard way, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, today that that moment like when i look back and and think about okay what if it would have if i if my prayers would have been answered mm-hmm. during that time in my life um what would my life look like today well i i'd probably be i'd be on the feedlot you know i'd be that'd be my life right based on what the world you knew at the time yeah i'd be you know i and i wouldn't have you know, I wouldn't have met the people I've met. There's no way. Right, because right? that environment doesn't lend to the, yeah. you know, the circle of the, the people. Well, you know, it's interesting when you look at, uh, at you know, you, you look at how one moment in life, you know, it's, it, it's like, um, you know, a ball and a, you call those 
things, you know, the machine, the, I forget what pinball machine, pinball machine, right? It's like trades. I'm like, okay, yeah, two yeah, words, yeah, pinball, yeah. got it. But, <laughs> you, know, you know, it hits, ricochets off something and then it goes in the other direction. And so I think these moments in life are kind of like that. And so that moment, you know, I, I was forced into an environment I was really uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. And you well, can you move from being a, like basically country kid to a townie. Right. Yeah, if I got the kinda. Verbiage, yeah, I got the kind you know, of verbiage right. Well, I mean, that, we, is, that we, in itself is a jarring kind of yeah. identity identity crisis. Well, we still lived on. We moved to another feedlot, but it wasn't ours. And that's uh, okay. And okay. That, so you didn't just move into town, okay, right? Got it. Mm-hmm. But I went to a real preppy school, like so. I went to a, I went into a totally different environment where, yeah. like, my environment was a lot different. Um, but you know, the people I met in that new environment, I met some. I made some dear friends. Um, it, you know, when you, you know, you could talk a lot about, you know, pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done that. I was forced was, into it. Forced, but oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's some benefits to that. And then, you know, even like some, you know, as the journey went on, some of the decisions made, mistakes made, the flukes, like the, you know, they all kind of, you know, led to where I ended up today. So I, I've got to kind of look back on it now and go, well, it was, it was a good Sometimes when you reverse, you look back on it and you go, oh, I can see now where that was. But at the time, I know for myself, it wasn't crystal clear. When you look back, you go, oh, I see how that laddered into that. But at the time, you know, you're learning lessons, you know, as a 20-year-old or a 25-year-old that, you know, you just don't necessarily have the comprehension of what it impacted you today. Yeah. But it wasn't, but it wasn't an easy path and nor was it success out of the gate. No silver, no, no silver spoon, nothing. No, that, that's what I love to hear is the, the reality of like, like you said, like it was, it was literally like one, one hand all the way to the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. 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 It was. So when did, when did you end up? So I know from the path and we've chatted a little bit before in school and kind of landman, I know as far as like profession, choose a path. What do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. You ended up down, down that road and clearly that's had a big impact. I know land solutions, one of your key, one of your anchor businesses, one of the main things, your successes. How long have you been involved in that? Like, when did the when did the landman business start, and when did that roll into land solutions? Yeah, so well, I've been in the industry for well since '95, so okay. 23 years. Um, that was a fluke that I ended up in it. Another one of those. Yeah, yeah. you know my my folks. So when I got out of high school, I I didn't have a plan. I mean, I thought maybe I'd be a mechanic. I like mm-hmm. fixing up old trucks. You know, well maybe I'll be a mechanic. Um, then I took up tin bashing, so I took up tin bashing as a trade, sheet, sheet metal mechanic. And um, I told this story here recently here, and it's interesting that I remembered it, but I was sitting, we, we, were, um, we were installing a furnace in a really nice home outside of Edmonton. Okay. Like a, I call it, you know, a mansion. To me, it was this, this yeah, mansion. Yeah, time, yep. And I was sitting in the van, we were having lunch, and I, and I knew what my journeyman made. And I, I looked into the lunch pail. He always left his pay slips out and, uh, he made 1860 an hour. He was the, he was the most experienced guy. You know, he was you, you saw him at the top of the, at the top of the chain. Like yeah. And he, and he had three kids and really super guy. Um, and, uh, treated me really well. I only did this for about 10 months. Okay. But, uh, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, I'm looking at that pay stub and I'm looking at this house and I'm thinking, you know, this doesn't happen that, on that. That doesn't, that doesn't right? equal that. <laughs> so I really, 
you know, and I didn't even, I didn't even like, I didn't like the work. It was just right. kind of a paycheck and some do. So I quit that and I went back to work for my dad in the feedlot that okay. where we were living. But they, my mom and dad really wanted me to go to college. You know, they, they were pushing for that. So, um, and I had a little bit of work to do to that cause I, I was short. I didn't get my diploma through high school. I was short of credit. Um, you were in that spot. So, you had so to do I had some, to yeah, do a little top night thing, school. Top things up a bit. <laughs> Took an accounting class, you know, in Leduc night class. But uh, so we looked at Olds College and I remember going down there with my mom to like one of their trade fair things. I would have been 18. And I thought, you know, it was really li- like, well, what should I get into? Well, environmental, you know, that sounds like it's maybe going to be a thing, you and, know. And a lot of years ago, that was that was a fringe yeah. Like not, you know, not where it is today where it's an established, you know, kind of core part of this industry and certainly in Western Canada globally, but back yeah. then it was just an idea. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I, I thought, you know, I would do not because I was really interested in it. I just thought it would be good if I had to pick something, but I couldn't get in. If I, I have to choose, I'm going yeah. to choose that. But I couldn't get into it because didn't I, have the credits. I didn't have the grades, you know, I didn't have chem 20 or whatever you needed. And so but they said, well, you can go into the land program and then you could transfer after uh, one year. Upgrade. Okay. So, so they laid the path there for you a little bit. So I said, sure, let's do the land thing. Now I should, I should have known because land men would have visited our farm in the past, okay. you know, but I hadn't paid uh, close enough attention to it. And we didn't have that much activity that right. would have been regular enough. But so I ended up in the land program and a uh, year into it, when I had the opportunity to transfer into environmental I literally, I was like, this is good enough. I'm just going to get out. I just, another year left of this and I'm out of here. I just want to get out of here. I want to get out. I want to get to work, start start getting some money. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and my plan, what I thought that would lend itself to is that I could earn an income, um, doing land work and then start to farm on the side. Cause it was one of those, yeah, it was more flexible. Yeah. I was, I was still sort of thinking I wanted to farm. You know, early twenties, you're still, cause this is early twenties at this point where you're at old. I was uh 19. Okay. Yeah. And still the farm was kind of drawing you still too. Yeah. That's what you, what's what you knew. Yeah. It's, it, it was, it's interesting though. You know, I, so I remember like I, I said something to my dad back when we were still on the original farm that mm-hmm. had a major impact on him. And I didn't know until he told me, you know, later in life, he, he was a busy guy. Like, I suppose he's, I'm like he was okay. today, except I have, I have better habits. My, my dad grew up in an environment where you fought your way through, through things. So his solution to everything was, I'll just work harder, work harder. sleep less, work harder, more like fight my way through stuff until have, the point where you dads. can't. We have similar right? dads. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what happened to him, part of the decision too, to leave the farm back then was that he burnt out at 40, um, 40-ish. Okay. He oh, so that factored burnt into, out. That's inter- it's interesting to, you know, to observe that because, you know, when you're younger, your dad's kind of invincible and yeah. all those things. Oh, that's an yeah. interesting moment. And he said that he couldn't, he couldn't make any decisions. He just had no clarity. He couldn't make decisions. Everything was just difficult. And, but he, he told me this. He said one, one night he was, um, I forget where, we were probably in the yard somewhere. I, yeah, we were finishing up some chores and it was past supper time. So I was going to the house to have supper and I said, are you coming? And he, and he said, no, I've, I'm going to finish 
fixing this, you know, this tractor or whatever, right. and I'll be in later. And I said to him, apparently I said, I don't remember. I sort of remember the moment, but I don't mm-hmm. remember the conversation. Clearly he remembered it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, you know, dad, I don't want to be like you. You're, and I said, because you're never done. You're never done work. Ouch. Yeah. And, and he said, well, what do you want to be? Like, what do you want your life to be like? And I, and I, I said, well, maybe, you know, a couple quarters of land and something else. Anyway, it crushed him. I didn't know that. It was innocent, you know, and, of course, and, I, and, yeah. I, and I maybe it sounds like it wasn't. I didn't, didn't see it in a, in a way that was like, I don't want to be like you. It was like, look, I don't want this kind of life. Like, you're never done working. Right. And, um, but. As I'm a parent, not, that would be a powerful thing to hear. Right. And for you, it was just an innocent in passing. Yeah. Now, where I've ended up, now, I like working. Like, it, it came out of me probably more later enough in life. To know, I, I know you well enough to know you're a busy guy as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so, you know, I might hear that from one of my kids today. But, but, I, but, I, <laughs> but I, I actually do, I try, to, I try to create space for those other things. But he told me after, he said, you know, that kind of, that, was, that actually was one of the reasons he stopped fighting for it. Because he thought in his mind that part of the reason he was doing it was for me to take it over. Classic, well, the farm legacy handed down generational. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's a deeply ingrained, you know, especially back it's less now, I think as farming's changed a little bit, but that was, that's the way it's been for, for generations. Yeah. So interesting. That's, uh, that's, it's amazing what we can learn from, I always say, you, you learn as much from your parents about what to do, and if you pay attention, you also learn what not to do. Yeah. How to do things differently. Yeah. That's powerful. So that had an impact on him. So that's a, a turning point, like, forever. It just below the scenes, not even realizing at the time. Yeah, yeah. And this is at 19. No, no. So this, when I had that oh, conversation with him, I was, I don't know, I was probably, like, 13 or 14. This uh, is when we were still on the original right, farm. On the original, okay, not the second time around. Yeah, so and when he uh, when he got when he took the job and actually worked still doing similar work but for somebody else, did he, you know, change his ways kind of thing? Did it did it no. No. Yeah, he's still it's still as who he is. <laughs> yeah, he was full on. I mean, he didn't slow down one bit. In fact, you know, he took that. It was a feedlot that the Samson band owned and he took it, turned it around, made it highly profitable. He was running that. We were feeding, we calved out 600 cows every year so it was wow. more cow calf so it was yeah. busy plus started custom feeding cattle so there was probably close to 2000 head of cattle in that feedlot when we went there there was um virtually none and then he took over managing they had a ranch um out at uh buck lake out mm-hmm. by drayton valley in the sticks they had a ranch at bittern lake which is out by camrose and they had another feedlot near Pinoka. And he ended up overseeing all of it. So things, so things worked out in terms of once he kind of, you know, shed that past experience, kind of went into a different thing and like, oh yeah, kind of the yeah. He, and, then he, and then he built a really successful cattle buying business and, and he was doing that as well. So he went on to. And that to was do, in his, his early forties that things kind of reorganized. Yeah. Late, late, by the time we moved his mid late forties, he would have been. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so probably just a bit older than, than your dad's I dad's always played a huge part in your life in terms of, you know, an example, learn from what to do, what not to do. Um, that's, yeah. Yeah, to, to see that, to see your parents go through something where there's a failure, you know, yeah. and the invinci- invincibility of, like, the dad, and all of a sudden things didn't work out. But then for him to come back and 
gonna you know get lemons and make lemonade if you will. Yeah, yeah. No, he uh, definitely. Awful. You know, and you and there's the things that you you can really reflect on and go, man, like I'm so lucky to have him as a role model. Mm-hmm. And then there's the areas where like you know if if dad had been a little bit more like my mom, mm-hmm. we would have had an easier path. Like. I'm, right, I'm lucky right. I got a bit of my mom and my dad in me. I joke about this often. Like, you know, I'm, I got my dad in me, but I got my mom in me too. And my mom's the opposite. She's super chill, you know, Good to have um, so that, that helps. But when I, so when I was in, in the, into the college program, you know, I guess my mindset was I can, I can have those couple quarters of land. Yep. Right. And, and, and do still the, do this job. Do this side. job, and and that was my thinking at the time. And so, um, you know, I kind of <laughs> was funny though. Like, I was on behavioral probation after year one at college. Like, I, I almost <laughs> got kicked out for bad behavior. So that was <laughs> that was like, how do you do that? I'm not sure even, but like, <laughs> well, clearly, uh, maybe that's why we get along so well. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, that day, I, I get it. I you don't need, no need to e- explain. But uh, so clearly always some angst and always some, uh, maybe that's where the entrepreneur came from, that uh, unwillingness to accept the rules of someone else or the status quo yeah, for that matter. Perhaps. So, yeah. so you made it through though, clearly. You got to the other side. You made so, it through. Uh, being a landman, yeah. that was a two-year program? Two-year program. Okay. Graduated with a whopping, uh, I think about a 2.4. And just barely not getting kicked out in the process. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I like the, the story's got to have some interesting to it for sure. You can't, yeah, can't just be a clean like nice easy ride. No, ooh, that's boring. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah so then uh, then got into the industry working, went to work for a company like what we do, okay. consulting company, and and spent three years just you know traveling across just out on the road, Alberta, being, being Saskatchewan, yeah. meeting people and kind of doing your thing. Yep, yeah, and you know in hindsight when I look back on my communication skills which today this industry, you know, you, you have to be a pretty exceptional communicator. I, I think. With, well, you're, you're, you're kind of the middleman constantly between so many right. different stakeholder groups. Yeah. And it's changed, you know, it's a lot harder to, to get a deal done and okay. it's, there's more, um, this might sound the wrong way, but it's like more educated people. Like, okay. you know, the, the rural community is more dialed in to, information and not that you not that you use that against the rural community Mm -hmm. earlier when they didn't have but it just wasn't a factor you know you just weren't asked as many questions less less things on the table yeah so it was a little more things that they don't get easier they get more complex and more layers and more you know from regulations to just people being more informed everybody now is a click away from being informed about everything that's going on at all times yeah yeah so, so I mean, I, but I got through it uh, just because of the farm background, Yep. I think, you know, I, and I, you know, I was, I was a nice kid. Like I, I communicated okay, but I, in hindsight, I think, you know, I was fortunate that I had the farm background that really helped me to. Well, rural you know, treats rural, like country treats country differently. If you get invited in for a coffee, you know, you're in good shape. If you get invited to stay for lunch, you know, things are really working out on the farm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they don't let you out of the yard, you're probably not going to get a deal done. Yeah. <laughs> That's just how it goes. Yeah. So obviously always been kind of a people person that way, being able to, cause you know, certainly the guy I know, friendly, easy to talk to, personable, really active out there. Yeah. That's always been kind of at a core for you. Well, um, that's a good question. You know, like I've been thinking about this lately. I think I'm, I'm a, and I'm actually an introvert. Okay. Um, more so than an extrovert, but I, 
but I'm pleasant. Like I, I do, like I say that, but I, I do like, I mean, I do like relationships, you know, I like mm-hmm. building relationships and, and that's, you know, something I've learned over time. So I think there was an innate way of okay. adapting Connecting. is probably what it was. Like I, I, you know, I was able to adapt fairly easily and quickly. And so, and I, you know, and I, I think I, I partly did that by being, you know, I'm, I'm more quickly to be happy than the other way. Like I'm a fairly happy, positive person. So that helps, you know, Hmm. in communicating with people, I suppose. But, but I wouldn't say that I was an outgoing guy that way. No, it's certainly adaptable. You were given lots of opportunity, whether you liked it or not, early on to adapt. Change of scene, change of environments, moving your biggest fear coming true. Yeah, ending up in a new school, which can be incredibly challenging, traumatic experience yeah. for a lot of people. It's like, like their sitcoms based around that. Yeah, just school specials. So being put into environments where you need to adapt, I think mm-hmm. it's you know I always like to look back and you say when you reverse engineer, you go, oh, I see maybe where that came from. Where at the time, who knows? You're just kind of fun. you're stumbling through finding your way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And that was really, that's why I kind of, you know, I joke a little bit about it, but that, that period of life was really like this, you know, not really clear on where, you know, a little bit, you know, like the, so I, I, I guess at the time getting out of college, I had the idea that I still wanted to farm, but I wouldn't say I was like super clear on what that would look like. And, um, and actually wasn't convinced that I wanted to be a land guy. I remember a year into it almost pulling the pin. Okay. And, and part of it was, you know, like you'd get, um, a bunch of work out in, you know, Lloyd Minster or Southeast Saskatchewan or something in, in the winter when it was minus 30 and you, you know, in your glamorous locations to be in February. (laughs) So you're, you know, I, there's parts about it that I, took me a while to get used to. Once I did, then it, then it was fine. But I, yeah, that, I had some adapt, moments that, of, that ability to adapt again. <laughs> yeah. I had some moments where I was questioning, you know, whether or not I was doing the right thing. And thankfully I stuck with it. So, um, I think that's often a lesson because being questioned is you being observant. You, you got to be on it. It's just, when do you, I think that's a thing, something maybe in business we also all wrestle with. Like, when is it good to question and when is it good to keep buckle down and when yeah. is it good to pull the pin? And I think that's a tough one. That I think that everybody wrestles with like, is this just the hard part I have to get through? Yeah. Or is this a sign that I should like get the heck out of Dodge? <laughs> right. You know, that's a very, that's a good point because you know, as an entrepreneur, you, that's a tough one. I would like, say it comes up almost daily. <laughs> yeah. Am I being stupid here with this or <laughs> do I just need to buckle down? And sometimes, you know, when you, it's the it's when you don't have a choice that you yes like Nece- I, necessity the mother of all invention yeah yeah like I've I've you know I've, I've dabbled whenever I dabble it actually doesn't work out ah uh, that's an interesting observation so unless you're all in it might be entertaining it might be let's be honest sometimes it's just it's a distraction that we kind of create but yeah, yeah. I've found that if, if you're not willing to kind of really dive into something. If you and I have talked about whether it's joining a, a forum group or a peer group if you don't if you don't dive in fully you kind of get out exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so curious, um, you know, a lot of that at the time sounds like it was, you know, not really sure of the path. Would you say today you've got a North star, something that's kind of out there for you that, that you kind of use as a guidepost when these questions come out and these like, I don't know if I should, but Hey, well, this is the 10 year or the five year or the just thing that I is my moral compass. Would you say that that's clear for you today? Yeah, it's a lot clearer. Like I just have a different way of, I have a different way of thinking, I think 
today than I did then. Okay. And I have, I have different tools to help me with where I'm going, you know, um, having a good coaching influence in my life. Yeah. So tools for you, good, a coach, good habits. obviously. Yeah. yeah. Coach, uh, coaches, well, a coach. When did you start um, using coaches? How long has that been a factor for you? Uh, I've been, well, uh, my first coach experience would have been probably seven or eight years ago. Okay. Um, and, but you know, so I've had three different coaches, uh, over that period of time. And these and are the, specifically business coaches. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you, you can outgrow your coach, you know, it's like, which you is can a outgrow good, anything in life. Yeah. It's a good thing. Actually. That's another one of those tough decisions. You're like, am I outgrowing or am I not leaning in? I've had that myself with coaches where you're yeah. like, we're still good, but I don't know if this is the right thing anymore. And yeah. that, that can be a tricky one. Yeah. What I found with my pre, like on the topic of coaching here with my, the, the coaches I had before the one I have today, it was, um, you know, they, they were able to help you with some basic tools to, you know, deal with decision-making and or, like the operating system. <laughs> yeah. But, um, didn't necessarily create the environment to do the kind of thinking that can really take you to the next level. Okay. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? So, you know, the coaching I do today, it's interesting cause it is kind of like, it is, there's a bit of an EO tech, you know, layer to it. And okay. the reason I say that is because you're coaching in a workshop with other, other, um, most of the time other entrepreneurs, right? Like-minded people similarly wanting to push like-minded. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's an environment where you feel normal in and, um, (laughs) that's, we'll touch. Yeah. That's a good one, but we'll touch on that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, and there's, you know, usually a dozen to 14 people in these workshops and, and then our coach, um, Dave LaRue is my coach and Dave is a, He's an entrepreneur, a very, very successful guy. He's in his early sixties and he's got the one day somebody who's been down the path. He's still in it, you know, he's still in it. So I like that because you're, you know, you're being coached by somebody who's living the life and has walked in the shoes that you want to walk in or are in depending on where you're at. So, but then what he does is, so he creates this environment where you, can do a certain type of thinking and we've got several different tools or exercises we Mm -hmm. go through and it's, you know, he explains the, the tool. We'll have an agenda for the day and he'll go through, okay, here's the first exercise we're going to do. And he usually just shows his, you know, cause he does, he uses all the same stuff. So he walks through by example, isn't the, isn't the best way. It's the only way. Yeah. So he'll walk through, um, one of the, one of the exercises we're going to do. And then, and then you have time to sit and do it yourself. And it's usually a lot of writing, um, thinking and, but he's created these tools for you to do. It gives you a framework, which I think is really important because, you know, sometimes you can really get lost in your own thoughts, but forcing it down a path can, can be incredibly helpful. So for you, that's something that you've, you've seen have benefits, huge benefits. Yeah. And you know, you work on, you work a bit on your business. You work on, um, I, I find a lot on yourself, but they're so intertwined. It is. I think it's very difficult, mm-hmm. that, especially as an entrepreneur or, or a leader. It's a 24-7 because you bring you to every meeting. So yeah. if the you is getting in your way, well, I don't care how technically sound you are. If you can't, if you, if you can't navigate yourself, yeah. then it's not going to, all the technical skills in the world I find won't get you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's important that you, like if you, if you're growing in your business, 
but you're flatlining personally. If you think the the larger a, mis- the, a misalignment a diverge, yeah, <laughs> the larger that gap gets between those two, the 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 harder it's going to hurt. The more it's going to hurt when you when you screw up, and the so bigger the fall. Yeah, so I think it's important to it's important to keep those kind of growth lines in parallel to one another. So, and that's what, you know, this kind of coaching, coaching does. So, but through that, you know, through that, I've, I've been able to get more clear on what we call your genius or your innate ability. Mm -hmm. Um, Dan Sullivan would call it um, unique ability. Mm -hmm. I think he's trademarked the term. Oh, nice. I, lo- and, I love I love a good trademark. Yeah, being so, uh, being in the industry that I'm in as a marketer. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, that thing that makes your spe- your secret sauce. Yeah, and that takes time to to get clear on. Like you might have an inkling of what it is, but if you actually sit down and write it out, and and come back to it every ninety days. Well, because there's an it, argument that if you, if things are going well, it's it's also evolving and changing. Mm-hmm. You know that unique ability, innate ability, when you were 25 to be the life of the party, you know, might've morphed into something a little bit more different as a, as a business leader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I think it does. You know, you, you do, um, life has a way of making you evolve. Well, it's a good segue. I'm sitting in front of me is, uh, purpose, passion, and profit. So you're, you're now, you're a published author. I read the piece in, 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 in the book, which not to over summarize, but I think the title, uh, you know, leaning too far out the window. So yeah. it sounds like in 2015, which was the year that was kind of based in, there was the life, life serves you up a learning opportunity. Yeah. So maybe yeah. just touch a little bit on that. We won't dive in. Well, I encourage hey. people to go read it. I think it's a great story with a lot of humility and transparency about when life kind of kicks you in the teeth a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. how was, how was that from a learning experience? Well, we'll give it, we'll give it, give it a little bit of history and then we'll just talk about some of the learning that came sure, from that. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So, well, I mean, anybody that uh, had a business and Calgary in 2015 knows what, uh, how challenging it, it has been actually. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say we're, I wouldn't say it's, it's in past tense just quite yet. No, it's, uh, I remember somebody, it was actually at an EO event. The guy said, uh, his perspective was it's only an event. And it was when we were just going into this, this, uh, time. And, and I thought that's a really good way to look at it. It's just an event. And it's true. Um, I actually, I agree. Um, and we should recall it as such, you right. know, but, um, it's well, been a long event. It doesn't make it less real. Yeah. It's been a very long event. It it's has been, been kind of getting long. long. Like it's, 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 if it goes on much longer, it might actually be a thing, not an event, but the, um, so basically, you know, I went from when, when I, I guess back to the land thing, when I started doing land work, I eventually, um, just very quickly, I, I eventually had an opportunity to, to become an owner in a, in a consulting company. And that was mm-hmm. about six years into my career. And, and that was a really, that was another life defining moment for me, I okay. would say. And, uh, and because it, it, it was an environment where I learned that I was entrepreneurial. I hadn't given oh, it much okay. thought. When that kind of started to blossom. Right. And I wouldn't even have put it into those words then. I just, um, but I, there was an antsiness, you know, like I, I was, you know, I was searching for something to satisfy me, mm-hmm. maybe purpose, maybe, I mean, you know, but I would just say searching. So, um, I found, I kind of found this opportunity as a result partly. And, um, but the environment then that I, 
was in gave me an opportunity to actually really explore that. And then I started to realize that, oh, huh, okay, well, that's why I'm, that's why I think that way. And, and we had, we had very quick success at land solutions. We, not, not the first, like the first couple of years were a bit tough, but then we went through a boom and, uh, and then actually it came quite easy in hindsight, it came probably a little too easy, which created a bit of a false uh, sense of confidence. But what it did for me is it, it, it created confidence and I started to try other things. And so, um, fast forward to 2014, actually, Okay. 2014, I was ripping on it. Like, you know, I was getting involved in other things. I'd already been involved in other things, but I was kind of taking it to another level. You're taking it up a notch. Like, you know, things that, you know, require more of a financial commitment, more, you know, um, like, so bringing Dogtopia into Calgary. Yeah. um, One of your other businesses, a dog, doggy daycare and doggy grooming business here in Calgary. You know, that, that in hindsight, I mean, that was actually kind of a, big deal to, for some to, people to that might've been their full-time gig, but for you, it was a side project. Right. And you know, I just believed that I could do it. Like my confidence was soaring. And, uh, so I, I, I was getting involved in a lot of things. And so, um, and so I'm sitting and I talk about this in the book, my dad's over and we're talking on my back patio there in the old hood. And my yep. dad's cautioning me. He's like, you know, Chad, I'm worried about you. Like, and because of what he went through. Your dad's always your dad. You know what I mean? The guy can sit down, look you in the eye across the table and say, yeah, son. <laughs> well, he, he, he said, you're like me. Like you're, I know what you're like. Cause you're like me and I see what you're doing and you're doing what I did. You're in, into everything and you have to be careful. And I said, well, but dad, I, I know, but, but I have these other things in my life that, you know, like, um, you know, mentorship and, and, uh, at the time was still an EO, I believe. And so I had, so I'm telling dad kind of in a way, I'm like, I know I'm like you, but I'm a little bit different in that I'm basically, I'm good. I've got this. Yeah. So, which is, yeah. So I'm good, dad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. Thank you. But I'm I'm good. Not, 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 not going to happen to me. So we're, I remember, um, we, you know, we, we have property in Phoenix and I'd been, one of the other things I'd been doing is I'd been accumulating a lot of property in Phoenix mm-hmm. and during the time where it was quite lucrative to do so. And that was really fun and, and it was a successful thing. But I, you know, I, I rolled, put all the chips in on a, on one deal kind of thing. And I remember, so it was a, it was the home we, we now use as a second place, but it was a big project, new build. And I'm standing in, in the backyard, what would be the backyard mm-hmm. of this new build, the house is framed and I get a call from one of the guys that I work with at Land Solutions and he, he said, did you hear the news? I'm like, what? So, well, one of the big projects we've been working on was being put on hold and it was a really big project. And I, and I remember I got off the phone and I just kind of sat there. I'm like, this is not good. You know, you had this, a, re- a little reality check yeah. in the moment. And then I quickly brushed it off and thought, it'll be fine. We'll figure it out. And, uh, but I'd say that was probably the beginning of when things just started to continue to notch down. So what, what ended up happening, we went through 2015, Land Solutions went through that in a fairly good position. And 
where a lot of our competitors were struggling, I would say, or just our peers, you know, I, you view our competitors more as peers with the exception of a couple of them. But, and, uh, so I had this kind of still this false sense of confidence, I'd say. And, and, uh, and then when 2016 hit, you know, land solutions struggled, we mm-hmm. saw our revenue really drop off. We had to downsize and reality kind of caught up with you guys. Yeah. And I still didn't want to come to terms with it. Like I was still, you know, there's the ego involved, I would say there pride and ego and, Mm, and as off, as and a, it always it's hard not to have it sneak in because when you drive forward you kind of need it yeah. it's a part but it, it needs to be managed absolutely yeah ego's and, not ego's not bad or not good it's just all how you let it play at the, sit it, at the table it's so true and you know so the decisions that need to be made probably didn't get made quick enough but you know we're trying to do the right thing what we thought was the right thing at the time so you know the book the story in the book is really about be reflecting back on that time going, man, I was leaning way too far out the window. And, uh, someone asked me here recently, they said, where'd you come up with the title for the book? And, and, uh, I tell them this story about this dog we had on the farm when I was a kid named peanut. And, I feel uh, this is going to go nowhere good for peanut in this well, story. <laughs> and peanut was a special dog. He was like crossed between a chihuahua and something. He was a big, a chihuahua, but like, you know, he's big. And, okay. Uh, okay. That's an interesting fit. personality. It kind of looked like a chihuahua, but he was like 45 pounds versus 12 pounds. <laughs> and, uh, he used to lean up on the mirror. You get out on the mirror and lean out the window when you're driving. Yep. I can picture anywhere. it anywhere. And so one day their dad was, we're driving across the pasture and he decided he'd just as a joke, he cranked it left real hard and the dog went flying out the window. So he was fine, but he okay, was, okay. He, was right. ticked, <laughs> he was ticked off, you know, yeah. I'm like, yeah. So I I trusted you and you screwed me over dad. (laughs) Yeah. So poor peanut, but, but that, and so I, when I actually title, I I remembered that story, but it was a friend of mine actually. And he was, um, somebody who had, uh, gotten involved in Dogtopia through, through his father, actually, he was the first investor. I had a, uh, an investor come in on the deal and I was, um, talking about expanding, into the Phoenix area. I was going to buy the Phoenix area. Like with a franchise concept, you can buy up an yep. area, right? So we had bought Calgary and I thought Phoenix would be a good market and I was, I was going to buy it. And you already in, you already had some experience in that market. You were down there. Mm. Yeah. And I, and, and I was I'm very close with the, the, you know, Peter Thomas who owns it. He's a mentor to me. So I, yep. you know, I, I, the relationships where I, I could have done that. And I remember this guy saying to me, he said, Chad, you know what? I feel like you're leaning a bit too far out the window on this. And one. he actually said that. He said that. And I, and I was like, yeah. And I, and I didn't end up doing the Phoenix thing. And part of that was my coach really helped me through that, actually. Um, that would have been probably the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And, and in hindsight, I mean, I just don't, I don't have the ability to focus on that many things. I just know where I'm well, at. Well, it becomes a life. question of bandwidth eventually. Yeah. Yeah. It's too, too stretched, but um, so yeah, so that's, so that story is really about, you know, getting caught in a difficult time with too many, you know, too many irons in the fire. I'm going to pull a quote from the quote from it that I think was great. It was how good I am at ignoring reality when it doesn't match how I see life. 
Right. I, you know, I read that, I read it. I thought, I thought that sums it up really well and kind of what you've captured today and which, you know, uh, I think Steve Jobs was famous for his reality distortion field. Okay. So about being able to like, we can't get it done. Absolutely. We can. And pushing it through and, you know, clearly it worked out, but left oftentimes a lot of carnage if when you read the Steve Jobs story. But I just, I heard a bit of that through here. And I think to be an entrepreneur and be successful, you've got to have a little bit of that because reality can also times get in the way of taking chances and pushing, yeah. putting yourself out there. Yeah. But also it can, it can really take the peanut story I think is great or else it can make you go for a, a header out the window. Yeah. Well, but like I, peanut, at least he came back for another day. Like yeah, he as did. long as there's he, a happy ending at the end of that was, story. He was fine. He was just ticked off. So, but, uh, didn't trust your dad anymore after like, that. Like who does that though? Yeah. Like, who thinks that's funny? Let's, let's make the dog fly out the window. Um, well, let's not go too far. Things happen in hindsight yeah. that we'd all redo. So we're going to give you, I'm going to give your dad a redo on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he had a second chance, maybe he wouldn't. Poor, yeah. peanut, poor peanut. Our audience is going to be re- writing in asking how peanuts doing. Yeah. <laughs> so future, what's, what's it, what's it look like? It's, uh, it's 2018 moving into 2019. Things are slowly the event that we're in and, and Alberta is starting to sort itself out a little bit slowly. Yeah. I think more slowly than all of us would like, but kind of what's in the future. What's down, what's down the road for you? Well, um, Right now, I'm quite focused on, I mean, what I have on my plate. So, you know, I've got, I've got kind of three things on my plate, land solutions being the priority for me. And, uh, you know, I've got a good managing partner in Dogtopia and then uh, with Dynamis that I got involved in, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm just helping them with their strategy and things like that. And hopefully you'll meet Evan today. He's a good guy, but, uh, so essentially three, three solid opportunities on your plate that you, yeah. so a little more focus maybe, and a little less looking around for new opportunities. Yep. I mean, if anything, if I were to do anything in addition, it would, it'll be real estate related. Right. I know that's always got a sweet um, spot for, or a, a, a spot in your heart. I know yeah. you love real estate. Yeah. And perhaps some coaching. I've been really, um, thinking about doing some coaching like for other people. Oh, becoming people. a coach, giving back. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So I, I'll see, I'll see what, how that thought plays out, but, um, you know, I'm just trying to frame it up a bit more clearly. So I would make time for something like that, but I, right now my focus really is it's land solutions. I'm, I'm very focused on getting the right people in the right seats. Um, feeling like the team is getting stronger. We we're we've added some great people and, and really seeing the results of that. And so I, 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 there's some things I want to see us do there. And, um, yeah. And, and, you know, what I'd like to eventually be able to do is, is spend more time in my genius, which is really out of the ops of a, you know, I, I can do the operations. Right. Of a, but getting of a business, up at the vision, but, vision level, but spending more time at, you know, working, on the business and maybe versus um, in it. yeah the classic yeah. classic challenge and what i've learned like I, I i do really like you know i enjoyed i enjoy the writing i know um, that's something you've been exploring a little bit and it's yeah. something that a lot of people find challenging it can be it can be hard work it, you know in this day and age where content is king and you want to add value but for a lot of people it doesn't come naturally so you know any tricks for somebody who's trying to trying to write and trying to get that going just start yeah. Just start writing. <laughs> Just start. Yeah. Start writing. Write it. Tear it down. Write it again. Tear it down. Write it Don't again. Don't be too. Yeah. Momentum's a wonderful thing in life. Get, yeah. get some movement going. Yeah. yeah. So I'd say that. But uh, so I, I think I'd I'd like to, you know, the part I like, writing is is a little bit therapeutic, I find, 
it can help you really frame up your thoughts more clearly. Back to that, yeah, forces and, you to put it into something. Yeah, but the uh, the flip side to it is when when you when you actually when what you share is resonates with people. Like I found when I was just even writing little blogs that have someone come up to me that I wouldn't even think would have even read it, and they'd say, "I read your blog and it just spoke to me." And this and they'll talk about one part. Isn't that energizing when that happens? Isn't that amazing when that happens? It's really rewarding. Yeah. To, That's so awesome. I, well, I it's think connections connecting with people. Yeah. It's important to be just kind of, I think it's important to drop your pants, you know, when you talk about <laughs> things like just drop your pants and be, be real. And I think just for are, the audience chat is wearing pants right now. Yeah. Just, 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 just to be super clear. <laughs> yeah. But I think that, that helps, I think that helps people connect. So that's rewarding. And then I, I think the, the experience I've had, in the coaching environment that I've had has been very impactful. And I, and I, to the point where I'd like to create that for other people, because I think that it's a, I think that a lot of folks are missing an opportunity to just live a little bit better life, whatever that looks like, you know, just, even if it's just simply having a bit more clarity on what you want out of your life and making sure that you're, you know, the different, aspects of your life are all trending in the right direction for you and i so i and in down the road at some point i'd I'd like to have a little bit more time to maybe do some of those things excellent give back and uh but i'll always i'll I'll, i'm sure i'll always be involved in some kind of a, a business or the ones i have at least and and uh you know i don't think you can get that out of a guy's system well, it kind of sounds like it's in your DNA and all the three businesses that you have sound like they've also got a lot of runway and there's a lot of future ahead, like kind of, you know, even though they've yeah. been around for a while to kind of, it always feels like you're just getting started when you really start leaning in again, which is what, I, what I heard kind of come out today. So. Yeah. I'm really excited about, uh, I'm really excited about land solutions. I, I'm Dogtopia is, um, it's actually a tough business to get going, but we're starting to have some good success some there. Well, and as Calgary starts to, the things get a little more positive and, you know, I'm assuming that's going to impact as, you know, rising tides, as they say. Yeah. Float all boats. Yeah. And Dynamis, the third one, I, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, they're, they all couldn't be more different from the other, so. No, you've got definitely, <laughs> well, it kind of speaks to that I have a, you know, entrepreneurial ADD that we all have yeah. from time to time. My, my mentor, Peter, he said to me one time, and some kind of times I kind of laugh. We both laugh because it's like, so you're telling me, like you're the pot calling the kettle black. But <laughs> he said, you know, Chad, you know, it may, you, it doesn't hurt to stay in your lane. You know, I, you know, you're entrepreneurial, but, but stay in your lane. And if, and your lane is like land and environmental consulting, then be entrepreneurial there as opposed to, you know, like you're letting your curiosity get you into things where it's not your lane and then it's that much harder. Right. Because the learning, the learning curve is that much steeper, which I think can be the, can be the drug a little bit too. Yeah. So, so there's some, I think some truth to that. So that's why I'm, you know, I've, I've committed to the ones I'm doing, but I think, yeah, I'm, a little more wiser about what I'd be willing uh, to take the, on. The beauty as the journey goes on, hopefully we learn a few tricks along the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, Chad, so. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me today. And I think that our audience and everyone's going to enjoy hearing a little bit of the story, uh, the journey behind the success. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.